Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm Paul Arnold. He's Ernest Watts. We are your podcast hosts for the next uh, 45, 50 minutes because we'll talk about the wide world of sports. And if you know that's what that's about, we like you because you're our age. Ernest, your earliest memories of the wide world of sports. Oh, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Uh, uh, oh, Jim McKay, whose real name was Jim McManus. And the Romanian uh, guy on the, the, the ski lift that actually walked away from that with no injury. But that was the opening where he'd slide around and hit. And it was, you know, everything from the, the, rest, the wrist wrestling championships from Petaluma, California, to uh, they'd show Canadian football. They'd show highlights of Super Bowls. NASCAR. NASCAR. It's the first NASCAR was ever shown on the end. And it was the Daytona 500 in 1979 because uh, uh, President Reagan attended. And there was a fist fight. Carl and, uh, Yarborough. Kale. Kale Yarborough. Kale Yarborough, excuse me. And, and Junior, was it Junior? No, it was one of the Johnson. I forgot who it was. But they had a fist fight in the infield. And that, like, solidified it. Because they never thought anybody would sit and watch a live 500 lap race because if if you remember back then children uh the indianapolis 500 was not shown live till about 1985 it was always taped the race would start about 11 o'clock central time in indianapolis and the abc would show a very condensed uh highlights and and taped version of it starting about two o'clock it was weird when you think about it. Like the Masters was only showed on 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 when on the on Sunday Sunday, and a lot of events were were showed tape delay or or I get because I guess they didn't think that people would sit for that long. But the strange part was a lot of network programming was two hours long. Wagon Train, like on Wednesday night, was two hours long. Bonanza was 90 minutes long. So the reason I bring it up is that in the day and age of every sports channel you can think of on, and even before ESPN, this is what we grew up in. Plus, we're both in our 60s plus, and so we're, our generation didn't have to be out on the farm all night taking care of the crops or the animals. So we were inside watching TV with our parents and... And once they realized that there was money in sports, um, and then we grew up wanting more at our age, that just rolled over into where we are today. And so we're going to talk about current sports in just a minute, but we live in a day and age of plenty, don't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the – I grew up was one college football game on Saturday, uh, one major league baseball game on Saturday, uh, the NFL – the blackouts, if they didn't like the Redskins, which is seven hours away, if they didn't sell out the game, at RFK, the game was blacked out. You didn't get a backup game. That was that was it. You only got three games. I mean, that was it. You got three games of the NFL, and that was it for a weekend, whereas now you can watch every game. I mean, it's it's they, the, the, the light switched about the late 70s, when they realized even with high rights fees, they were cheaper than scripted dramas or variety shows. I don't even think people under 50 know what a variety show is. Ed Sullivan and all that. 
Well, I'm not so sad about that, but it is nice to have all the sports on, and I can sit in my chair right now and see all these different sports and and enjoy it. We just take it for granted, and we just finished a great Super Bowl, I think, this last weekend, and Ernest did me the favor. You know, in our day and age, (laughs) I have um, Comcast or Xfinity, and you have, what do you have down there? What's your service? Spectrum. 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 And so you would think that's not a streaming service, Comcast, and and Ernest didn't have a stream, but he was seven seconds ahead of me. I live in Michigan. He lives in North Carolina. So we're talking on the phone, and all of a sudden I realized how far he was. So he was doing the game uh, play-by-play for me. And I know everybody wants to talk about the final holding, but that wasn't the whole game. Ernest, your takeaway, how does this stand in the all the Super Bowls that you've seen? Uh, top five. Top five. Of course, everybody usually – the ones that their team wins or the team that they have a rooting interest for, they put at the top. Uh, the Steelers-Cowboys 35-31 was a great one. The Philadelphia-New England one, which had one punt, which this game reminded me quite a bit of. That that was one also. I mean, just for historical reasons, the Jets over the Colts, even though that hurts me as a Baltimore Colt fan back then. Those, those are the top. Those are the five. I mean, we were the stretch. We've been lucky the last twenty years. Been fairly competitive uh, Super Bowls, whereas the first forty years, a lot of blowouts, a lot of blowouts. It's it's that was a game that you could play those two teams ten times and you would get uh, uh, they would both win probably five games. Well, last year we came down to the last play too. I mean, we've been pretty spoiled the last couple years. Yeah, I mean, that was as exciting. This was throughout. I mean, there was no lull in it. Last year's Super Bowl had had some periods of lull, which neither one of them could do anything. This this one's, I think, saw the best. The best and these were the two number one seeds. So these were the best two teams. I mean, the Bengals were a surprise last year, but these were the two best. And again, and uh you know, they've showed some, some video from behind from NFL films about the hold. And a lot of Eagles fans, you know, the whole idea is let the players on the field determine it is one of the most asinine things I've ever heard. You have rules for a reason. If you're not you're going to let the players determine themselves, then don't call any penalties. I mean, that was pretty legit when a guy reaches behind his back and grabs it. And James Bradbury, who was the uh, committed the penalty, freely admitted to it, which is, you know, refreshingly a bit of sportsmanship these days. He owned up to what he did. If we only had more people do that these days, uh, it was, like I said, it, it never really does it come down to one play. And I think I heard a lot of people say, well, I wish uh, Kansas City had gone in so we could have saw an opportunity for the, the Eagles to tie it. no. The object is, as Herb Edwards tells us, to win the game. And by going down on the knee and running out the clock and giving them only 10 seconds at the end of the game, that was that was smart football. You saw strategy, you saw scoring, you saw a young man probably get to Hall of Fame status at age 27. And it, it's you know Patrick Mahomes is is the best now. I don't think there's any question. You can pull out some other guys, but I think he stands above because talent-wise, when you stack the talent 
from two to to forty eight, the Eagles were a much more talented team, but Mahomes was able to win it. Yeah, you like to say that you love to watch the line, you know, the offense and defense push. And I was surprised there wasn't more sacks, but I guess not because both quarterbacks are pretty mobile. But there, I don't think there was any offensive holds in that whole game. Well, the Eagles probably have the best offensive line football uh, with Lane Johnson, who's just a monster tackle, who was playing injured, and uh, uh, Kelsey at center. And, you know, Kansas City did a lot of revamping the last two years of their offensive line and got some young talent in there. And uh, Orlando Brown Jr., who used to be with the Ravens, is now their left tackle. Because, you know, when they played the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl two years ago, uh, Mahomes was on the run, constant, constant pressure. And Philadelphia is one of those teams that did not have to blitz. You really don't want to blitz against someone like Mahomes. You want someone to spy. You want that linebacker, that fifth linebacker, that stand-up linebacker. The weak side linebacker, you want him to spy Mahomes and catch him before he gets out of the pocket. You want to rush with four. And there was pressure. He, you know, he was elusive, just like Hurts. And I think, unfortunately, Hurts had the kind of game that a lot of people will forget. I thought he put himself in the top five category with that particular game. This is, this is a young man you remember had the ultimate embarrassing moment when he was pulled at halftime in a national championship game. The year after he had led Alabama to a national championship, he gets pulled for Tua. And the next year, he, he does his work. He comes back. He actually replaces Tua in an injury in the SEC championship, goes to Oklahoma, takes Oklahoma to the Final Four. And I think he really has not gotten the credit that is due. And I think with his running ability, I mean, the Eagles, if it's third and one, they're going to get it. The only time they were start off, stopped on third and one was a pass into the flats. And the defensive backfield for Kansas City came and stopped it with some quick tackling. But when he lined up and they put those two, I would like call them like H-backs, to the left and right of him, he picked up first down. And he was unstoppable. Yeah, and the interesting part of NFL these days is not only the storyline going to Super Bowl, but the storyline of which coaches are going to get head coaching jobs and boy right after the game was over both the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator for the eagles both got head jobs at the colts and the cardinals and i'm thinking this is what everybody wants now that 35 to 37 year old coordinator that has potential which is the better hire the cardinals or the colts well see i got excited and i heard gannon was going to the Cardinals, because I thought, well, hey, Rich Gannon's got a job. I think he'd be a pretty good offensive coach. Well, it's not Rich Gannon. It's, it's Gannon is <laughs> the defensive coordinator for the Eagles. I mean, one-year success? I, 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 this seems like a knee-jerk type of thing. I mean, uh, uh, and you know, the Cardinals are just a mess. The the story is uh, Flores, Brian Flores was offered the Cardinal job but turned it down because he just he was a no-win situation. And it's pretty much where the Cardinals have been most of the time. Uh, I'm kind of surprised Saturday didn't get the job as much as uh, Ursay loves him, but they got the offensive coordinator. And 
again, these guys had one year they were successful. But it worked in uh, Minnesota. It's worked in sort of in San, uh, San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, it's worked it, more than it, it hasn't, right? Has it really Well, worked? look at Cincinnati. Chargers? Cincinnati, Cincinnati has worked. And the Rams for one year it worked. But like I said, yeah, but those guys had a little bit more time under Shanahan and, Shanahan and some of those other guys. These, these guys are like, I mean, you look at. I think it's like what happened to the NBA. At a certain point, NBA players stopped listening to the old grizzled guy that acted like a big boss, and they liked the younger guys that can relate to them. And I think that's sort of what's happening in the NFL, that these younger guys are really innovative. Like look at down to Miami, McDaniels. Not exactly seasoned, but really innovative, and they can relate to him. But it's hit and miss. Look at McDaniels, who's ruining his second franchise at Vegas right now. I mean, assistants, some assistants, there was a concept in the 60s called the Peter Principle. Are you familiar with that? It's the idea that people rise to the level of incompetency. We are automatically given raises and advanced in positions till we get to a position where we can't do the job. And that's certainly the true with all the Belichick assistants, it seems like, except for Saban, who was a Belichick assistant, uh, and, uh, and uh, Nick uh, over at Iowa, coach from, I forgot his name already, that's bad. But and you just never know a guy who's never had a chance. I know they want to go young, because that's cheaper and they think they can advance things. But but I see it as a 50-50 thing. I don't see an overall success for every guy like the, the guys at Cincinnati and Minnesota. And Minnesota's one year, so that's, been a, you know, they were kind of schizophrenic as a team. For every one of those, I can point out a, I don't think the Chargers is successful. Because with that talent, they should be going further in the playoffs. For every one of them, I can point out one which is, is fell on his face and ruined themselves. So, and I, I don't judge the first year because I know a lot of guys that you know, you, you're basically coaching the first year with someone else's talent that they've acquired. All right, Ernest, I'm going to go gossip mode on you, okay? okay? Okay. All right, because you have so much resource of information. And we know Tom Brady finally retired. Officially, 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 right? He even filed his Did paperwork. Did he really? Well, he's not, okay. He's not going to announce next year. So here's my year question. Okay. If he could go back in time, would he play this last year? Would he still be married? I hear Cher singing in the background. <laughs> back time. Uh, Can I go back yeah, in time? I, I, yeah, I think he loves football. Isn't that the win? I think, yeah, he would have played. I'm I'm not saying he's retired. I'm saying a team that starting quarterback goes down November, December, he could easily come back. Like I, I said, think you're missing he, my implication here that his divorce to Gazelle was not just about football. Oh, sure. I'm sure it was. And, you know, it, sure. It, it, I think there was a lot of other factors in there. But, no, I don't think you were great at playing. Uh, he hasn't said he and he wouldn't. And like I said, I don't think he's truly retired. I think the idea of him taking a year off from broadcasting before he's he's not starting to 2005, 
leads me to believe that, that he still wants to play football. I mean, he's done this once before. You know, I don't. I haven't seen Tampa Bay run out and get a quarterback, and all they got left is uh, uh, the kid from Florida, uh, second-year player. I mean, they've lost all their quarterbacks, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him come back. I, I I thought he would get into more management types of things and broadcasting. I think that's where Manning will eventually wind up. In, in, in managing a team or being a general part, kind of an Elway situation with the Broncos than than TV. I, I don't know how he's going to do TV. He might be great. I I have my doubts though. Uh, I just don't know what insights he'll bring. For guys who who it came that easy to, it's it's kind of hard to break down the minutiae and everything. But no, he doesn't regret. Not for a second. Well, he's going to be on Fox with Gronk. So together, maybe they'll bring out the best with each other. They can put a five-second delay on Gronk. <laughs> he's done well on the pregame show. He has, he has done well. But he has the likable factor above all else, so I think he's going to do okay. He's sort of the replacement of Bradshaw, I think. Bradshaw's going to probably ease out. Yeah, did you hear Bradshaw telling Coach to waddle, all over, here, waddle over here and like, oh, Gracious, you're one to talk. I mean, you've picked up a few pounds. Uh, again, that wasn't the classiest moment. What was the worst moment of the Super Bowl? The was worst... it the Upa, Upa Lupas dancing with uh, <laughs> I actually liked, I actually liked the halftime. I thought that was pretty impressive that she was willing to get on that high uh, platform that high up. And um, I thought it was pretty good, you know, considering all things these days. I could... Do without the close-ups of the dancers sticking out their tongues and and doing weird. Anyways, that shows my age. No, I, I really like the half. T- I like the Super Bowl. We haven't talked about one of our favorite things is Super Bowl commercials. And your yeah. favorite, I think I know. What is your favorite commercial? Oh, there were some. Well, the, the movies. <laughs> I cheated. It's the movies. I got all hyped that Michael Keaton's coming back. And we're going to have two Batman. I am Batman. And the Flash. Uh, him and, and Affleck are both going to be playing Batman and you got General Zod coming back from the Superman movie and, and the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and I even got hyped to see 81 year old uh, Harrison Ford with his training wheels on a horse riding down middle of uh, Manhattan with uh, the Indiana and the Dial of Destiny I'll, I'll see that. I mean, that. That was it. That was exciting. And then the celebrities, it was nice to see Steve Martin and, and some of the others. I mean, that was, that was, you know, a lot of people are ragging on the commercials. Now, the, the one about hot flashes, I could have done without that commercial. It seemed a little bit inappropriate. And a little bit of the jingleism. I mean, I'm as patriotic as the next guy, but Fox really crammed it down our throats. And and by the way, Paul, have you ever seen three more uncomfortable people than uh, the commissioner, Mrs. Kelsey, and 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 um, uh, Mar? Uh, I forgot his last name. The Buffalo Bill safety sitting together. I mean, they're like yeah. They look. They're sitting in the crowds like three people going like. Who Why are you? Sitting? Why am I sitting it's here? A, it's, a pro, it's a photo op. And I know. I didn't what turn on the TV until 6.45 because I know they're going to do all these 
you know, thinks, oh, this will really be good. This marketing will be really good. Let's get these people out to do it. I did like seeing Doug Williams ring the bell or whatever, get started. That was okay. But after a while, it's like, just play the game. I'm tired of all this hype. And I don't know what their ratings are before the game starts. I guess people have parties and eat and get crazy and watch that, I guess. Do you watch that stuff? Well, supposedly, Paul, sometime during the game, half of the viewing public in America watch the game. One out of every two people in America watch that game, which is amazing to think about it. And, and it took our mind off balloons coming from China and all the other stuff. Uh, it, it's, it, and it was an entertaining, like I said, I think it was the top five ratings. All yeah, time the game's before. no problem. It's all the stuff before it. It just is not my deal well, anymore. Pre-games, pre-game starts at 11 o'clock. It really <laughs> did. Pre-game started at 11. I'm like, and I go, they do some of the commercials before the game. And hey, I kinda, uh, the witness has not answered the question. Do you oh, watch what, this? How much of the pregame do you watch? I turned it on at 6 o'clock. All right, all right. 30 minutes. 30 I minutes. would have not judged you too bad if you turned it on at noon. Well, really. it was a hockey game. I watched a hockey game up until then. So I was, uh, like you stated earlier, there's plenty of sports to watch, lots of sports to watch. So I partaked in a little hockey at that time. So I'm not quite ready to talk about XFL or USFL quite yet. I think we need to let that you got, you got, you sit got for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think, to me, my attention's not going to college basketball. There's tons of good matchups on right now. The number one team's been upset twice. Purdue's lost to Indiana and uh, Northwestern in a matter of a week. Um, it's too bad our favorite teams are just totally, you know, laying a big one this year, but um, so is Kentucky. I, don't, I, don't, I was going to say, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, and Michigan, I don't know the last time all of them were unranked. It is is truly amazing. Add Michigan and, State in there, too. I think they're not ranked. Yeah, yeah. Our prayers go out to Michigan State for that tragedy. We don't want to bring you back into reality, but that was a horrible thing to happen. Yeah, I live in Michigan, and boy, everybody knows somebody if you uh, that many people, but anyways, we'll keep stay on sports. But right, stay on sports. But the beauty of good college basketball is that you can turn on like right now. All right, full confession here, transparency. I'm watching okay. Purdue versus Maryland at Maryland, and Maryland's looks like they might upset Purdue another time here. Um, it's just really good basketball. I love seeing the hustle and the determination, and the crowd is really into it. It's not as good as college football, but it's not too bad either. Don't you remember when that was the big sporting event? Everyone looked at March Madness, and you had these iconic teams like the Fab Five, like uh, Danny Ferry and Duke, and and then Leitner and Duke and Carolina. And and you had these these teams that would stick together for two or three years, and they were iconic. And nowadays, with the the one-and-dones and with guys going to the G League, probably going to college, could you name five guys on the All-American team? Could you name an All-American right now? I probably could get two out of it, but that's about it. And just the players transferring, too. Not only the one and done, oh, yeah. but people transferring. So it's a lot harder. I have tickets to go see Michigan and Wisconsin a week from Sunday. And it's Bring the only your boxing ga- gloves. Bring your boxing gloves. I know. Gloves. <laughs> it's the only game I'm going to go to this year. Um and both teams are not playing that great, but it is fun just to be in the atmosphere. We both 
No, it's well worth the price to go to one of those games because it's just so much fun. I think also it's the hype about the freshmen. We hear about them when they're juniors in high school, and most of them don't really develop. Who's the young man in Michigan there that went to Memphis and now is playing for Eastern Michigan? I forgot his name. That he uh, was Bates. Yeah, Imani yeah, Bates. Imani Bates. He was supposed to be the the next one, the next chosen one. And he, he was like on Sports Illustrated as a ninth grader. And uh, didn't do him, or for that matter, didn't do Sports Illustrated that good since they're a once-a-month magazine now. But I digress. Uh, I, I think everything's hyped so much. And again, you used to know who the player of the year is going to be. It's probably going to be Edney, the, the center from Purdue who will never see a moment in the pros, by the way. He's seven foot four and just incredibly slow. But you don't have the stars. I mean, that's it. You go in the tournament, we'll watch the upsets the first round. But there's no super team out there. I mean, the Which could make March Madness really fun, though, too. Yeah, until you get to a Final Four that, that nobody knows. I mean, there legitimately are 30 teams that could win it. 30 teams. There have been more teams that have been ranked, have had the number one position this year than any other year before. That's how many have come up and dropped. And I know Alabama looks good. Uh, Miami, to me, looks good. UCLA looks good. Kansas rolls them in, even though they had to spend their coach for five games. Uh, I mean, they just no one's going to be up there, and I'll be truly surprised. All right, I got a random question for you. I'm watching this game, and it's, mm-hmm. you, it's really amazing to me that the players can choose what uh, basketball shoes they want to wear as far as color. I mean, it used to be everybody had to be the same color, the same brand, the whole deal. If you were playing basketball on a team right now, what color of shoes would you wear if you were playing for North Carolina? I'd have original Air Jordans. <laughs> the with the like, red swoop or the just yeah, the ones? The, the, the red swoop, yeah, which would probably worth like $1,700 now. Did you ever own one, some pair of those? No, no, no I've never... Uh, bought expensive tennis shoes. That just think I, I may have told the listeners this. I lived in the area that a Converse, which was the Converse plant, which the the history of shoes have changed because it was Chuck Taylor's by Converse for the first fifty years of the last century, and then Cads came into place. And then the three stripes of Adidas and, and then Nike in the 70s and Phil Knight in that respect and New Balance. And it's it's kind of changed back and forth. But you're right. Teams used to be supplied. They had a contract and all the issues and, and, and warm-ups and everything. Were, if you're a Nike school, you got Nike. Uh, Carolina and Michigan are both Jordan brand. So everything they have is the Jordan brand on it. But when the worm kind of turned a little bit and when players were being recruited they used started saying because they had signed under the table contracts with the shoe companies usually in the name of their parent uh if i come to this if i come to michigan can i wear my new balance shoes and at the risk of losing 
someone they think can be a fine college player, they go, yes, any color you want. So it used to be everybody had to wear what the coaches say. And now coaches are more CEOs than authoritarian figures. So now it's, it's yeah, you, you wear what you want, what color you want. Roy Williams had his own signature shoe with his signature on it that Nike created for him. So, yeah, everybody does what they want now. Uh, eventually, when we get to advertising on the jerseys, and it's going to happen, uh, you're going to see players wear advertisement for the name and likeness. Maybe a headband with Nike on it or a headband with Chick-fil-A or a wristband or, or a tattoo that is for Continental Tire or something like that. It's it's Everybody's in for the revenues, and I think players are going to realize they have the ability to wear extra uh, and get tattoos and be able to sell that and make money. Well, here's uh, Maryland was losing by four. Now they're up by 17. So Purdue looks like a very tired team, and they were number one in the country. Right now they're number three. I think these teams do hit a roadblock, and the coach has to find a way to charge them up. But just a quick story. When I was at a community college, my all of us kids, when my dad worked there, we got to go for free. And I got to play um, soccer, and I got to play tennis there. And I remember the first time they say, hey, here's some shoes. Here's some free shoes. Here's some free sweat outfit you know you're on the team i thought i made it big time you know that was really nice stuff so um it, we were doing adidas back then do you remember your first free stuff from college uh well you know we get free tennis shoes when i was in high school uh because converse would come and bring what was called the bleams back then which were the irregulars in that outlet store and as a tax write-off they would bring a big box and i'd had chuck taylor's and, you know, not a lot of people knew who Chuck Taylor was. Chuck Taylor was the best AAU basketball player in the 20s and 30s. And he converted his name recognition to being a shoe salesman for Converse, which was eventually bought by Nike. And he'd do these free clinics. And at the end, he'd talk about the virtues of his tennis shoes, which were canvas high tops with the little logo with it on the side of his. And, you know, they kind of went out of style in the 70s, but came back in the late 80s with different colors, but it came Converse shoes. And kids were all qualming for Chuck Taylor's, and I never knew who Chuck Taylor really was in that respect. That's, that's, yeah, we, I had blue ones, I had red ones, I had black ones. Black ones are the ones I liked because that's what you saw the Celtics wear back then, the muscle was the black high top comms all right well let's yeah. that's a good transition to the nba because besides college basketball right now nba is getting interested really interesting so what do you think about the nets uh refugees i mean you have durant and kyrie irving leaving the grand experiment busting up finally like it should have so do you think dallas has a good chance now well, they still don't have a, a good center in that respect. Uh, who's going to take the last shot? You know, they're like 0-3 after this trade, so that's not exactly uh, a lot of uh, help in that respect. Um, with the Suns, is Durant ever going to be well enough to play? And how healthy is he? We tend to forget he's, he's 34. He turns 35 soon. 
He's had arthroscopic surgery on that knee. He hasn't played a full season since he had his knee worked on. I mean, he is the equivalent of, of Jabbar in the fact that he has an unstoppable shot. But I just don't know how healthy he is. You got a 35-year-old, almost 35-year-old power forward. You got a 37-year-old point guard. Booker's had injuries. Uh, that's the team that, you know, if, if, if the training staff is pretty good, they can go deep in the playoffs, but I just don't think they can get healthy enough. I don't have them coming out of the West. I really don't respect. I just don't think they're Who do you have, strong. Denver coming out? or You know, Murray's getting healthier. This might be Denver's year. I don't think the Warriors. The Warriors are just too beat up. And that's that's the damage in that respect. Uh, watch out for Sacramento. They're right number four right now. And that's a team that, that was Sarbonis, who's the all-star game, at center worked so well with with Fox and the rest of that offense. They, they have been a team that people have forgotten. I don't think the Lakers will make the playoffs. If the Clippers get Westbrook and he decides to play true point guard, that could be a dangerous team. Oh, that's a lot of ifs, man. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, that's it. There's so many ifs in the West. In the East, Celtics are ahead and above the best team. Yeah, I would agree. I think Celtics, with the, they're really motivated to make up from last year. They have a new coach that they just made permanent instead of interim. Uh, they seem to have it all rolling, and uh, I think they learned something from last year too. Yeah, they have depth. Uh, they share the ball real well. Um, like I said, they're solid with 12. Just below them, I would put Milwaukee, and I would put Philadelphia kind of fighting for the, the second position. I don't think Brooklyn's going to be as bad as what people say. Mikael Bridges is, is the type of player that could be a superstar. Uh, Cam Johnson is a reliable outside shot. Cam Thomas had a three 40-point games in a row. Uh, I think they're a team that, that's going to be a playoff team. Might sneak up into the fourth position. But, uh, you know, there's still going to be teams that are going to try to put together these superstar teams. They're still going to try and get three stars together. Essentially, that's what Phoenix did. And and I know that, that if Dallas could bring in another star, I know they're going after Westbrook also. And my gracious, Westbrook, Irving, that's a backcourt of a mistake. Uh, I was high on New Orleans, and they were as high as second seed for a while. But Wilkinson gets hurt all the time. Williamson gets hurt. I mean, he's out now for several weeks. You kind of wonder, that was the thing that everybody was worried about. Could his body take the stress of that many games? And it's starting like it it can't. Yeah, I I think we're coming down to the blue bloods of NBA. I don't think too many teams besides maybe three or four really have a good chance at it. You know, once in a while you see a little upsets in the first round, but I think you got Celtics and the second team out of the East. Do you think it's the Bucks have a chance? Yeah. Yeah. And in the West, don't forget Memphis. 
The thing with Memphis is I look at them other than Morant. Can you can you name three players off that team other than Morant? I or well, Adams, the big dude from Australia. That's what the only other guy. <laughs> I just think but, he looks like he should be in movies. I mean, he's like I a little guy. Oh yeah, he, he should be uh, uh, one of the trees in Lord of the Rings. Uh the ants. I'm, but you know, as people complain about the NBA and they say it's a stars league and and so much isolation. And then you look at a team like Memphis, which truly is a team in which the sum of the parts are, are better than the individual parts. I mean, they work so well. Uh, Taylor Jenkins is the coach, and he does a great job of getting that team. Now they they play a little physical, borderline dirty, but you know, they're, they're, they're a sneaky team. They're, they're, and then again, ABC, ESPN is just praying they don't get a Memphis-Milwaukee NBA final <laughs> or Sacramento-Milwaukee final. They're just, please, please, Lord, please, Clippers do something. We want one big city in there. But uh, uh, like I said, it's, it's going to be Boston. But it would be, you know what would be wild? Is if Philadelphia gets the finals and lose mm-hmm. because they lost the Super Bowl, they lost the World Series, they lost the MLS Cup, they could be the city of losers. Buffalo would be glad to give them that title right now. <laughs> well, yeah, for this year, I, no team, no team has lost a World Series and Super Bowl and an MLS championship, which MLS has only been around thirty years, uh, in one year before this year. Yeah. All right. We're starting to get down our time. Let's talk about the movies you're most looking forward to seeing. I doubt you've seen anything since last time we did a podcast, but maybe you have. No, I am watching the Shrinking series on uh, Apple TV with Jason Segel and Harrison Ford. I'm enjoying that very much. But going to see uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania tomorrow be the first in my deck. Me and my grandchildren are going to see that, even though I know a few of the secrets. And I know it's pretty much starting what they call phase five with Marvel movies. But I am excited to see that, even though some of the reviews haven't been quite stellar. And then you've got uh, uh, Captain Marvel coming up. Uh, Of course, the Indiana Jones movie, uh, The Last Guardians of the Galaxy. And they kind of lead you to the credits that are thinking one of them does not make it. And since the director is going to D.C., I'm, I'm sure the, it's, this will be the last one. And uh, again, the, the Flash movie, which has been on the, been on the shelf for, for two years, they actually have had Superman and Wonder Woman in it, but they've cut them off. They do have Supergirl in it. So this might be a chance of DC to kind of get the uh, forefront in that respect. So I'm looking forward to those. Uh, uh, latter part of the year, you got Aquaman at Christmas time, Aquaman too. So that there are some DC is trying to reinvent itself, and it seems if and you can you can expand on this a little bit. I think Marvel has kind of lost their momentum after the last Avenger movie. It's, it's been it doesn't seem like they have a sputtering sputtering. Yeah, I feel like it's forced. I think the whole 
multi-universe thing. It feels very forced at times. Um, but I'm surprised you didn't talk about the latest Fast and Furious with Jason Momoa as the bad <laughs> dude with his eyebrow shaven or whatever he did. It looks different. Yeah, I've never been. The only one I ever watched that I enjoyed was a spinoff that was uh, Hobbs and, not Hobbs the Cat, but Taylor and Hobbs or something and Hobbs and... and uh, Stratham and um, yeah, The Rock. And, and the Rock and and Ryan Reynolds also, and with Ildris Elba as the the villain, and that was a fairly entertaining movie. I enjoyed that, but I think the last Fast and Furious movie I saw was the Tokyo Drift with the the kid from uh, Friday Night Lights in it. So that's the last one I watched. I've never been. But they do well overseas. That's where Vin Diesel's oh, yeah. making all his money. Because it, it's not hard to translate those movies. It's a lot of cars crashing. That does remind me of another movie I'm looking forward to see. I think it's coming out in March. That's John Wick 4. Uh, <laughs> so I, you, as I, many I John Wicks John as possible? Is that what you're I, thinking? Yes, I love John Wick movies. I mean, they're very simple. They're kind of like watching the old Clint Eastwood movies. You know what you got going in. You know he's not going to get killed. Might get his finger chopped off. But the choreographed, it, it's it's kind of a cross between the Clint Eastwood movie and the Chinese martial arts movies. The choreography is is it's just fantastic. And and the minimalistic charm of Keanu Reeves just just makes it better. I mean that, that dry delivery that he's so good at i do like the john wick movies that's one of my many guilty pleasures it's like jackie chan movies i love jackie chan movies <laughs> I, I i'll know it's just something about it i mean it's the choreography it's 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 again the fish out of water kind of respect but but those those are looking for and again every one of these are sequels i hate to say it uh it's it's hard for an original idea to come in and, and really catch itself and be successful. Yeah. It can be a quality movie, but original movies just aren't that popular. Right. Here, here, there, and everywhere, which is a totally original idea, right. which is a martial arts slash multiverse movie, didn't get a lot of play. Not a lot of people are watching it. And But, but in the same respect, uh, it's 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 an intriguing it's something new and it reminds me of something else i'm looking forward to see that i'm going to watch as soon as we conclude here is the third season of picard which they're bringing everybody back engage supposedly his last one and by the way the big news is that he and uh ian mcgillan sir ian mcgillan are both going to be in the deadpool wolverine movie (laughs) <laughs> as their X-Men characters or what? Yes, yes, as their X-Men characters. Bringing the whole crowd together, yeah. Because he, he played uh, Magneto and uh-huh. Professor X, so yeah. Those be those characters. Remember now, this is based at current time, and spoiler alert to Logan, uh, that's in the future when Professor X dies. Right, right, yep. All right, we got to wrap it up, and there's one tribute we want to make because, as we were mentioning earlier, we watched sports since we were little, and there wasn't tons of games on. And somebody we saw as a player, then a commentator, even had his own sports 
30 minute show on the weekends he sold as a syndicated show and that was Ernest Tim McCarver I mean I my dad was a Cardinals fan big Cardinals fan and Tim McCarver was the personal catcher for Bob Gibson and he never went to the mound he went to the mound one time and Bob Gibson told him to go back in language that I can't repeat right here on the air uh, and basically told him you hit to the 53 you don't know anything about pitching because you can't hit it and he's uh, one of i think 31 guys who played in four decades he played in the 50s 60s 70s and 80s uh, and was also the personal catcher for steve carlton who won cy young uh, won 27 games for a team that only won 56 games all year long and then he kind of fell into tv and, and worked for nbc Fox, ABC, and CBS. And he broadcast 23 consecutive World Series. And TV and radio, not just... TV, TV and radio. But uh, worked with both, uh, both the Bucks, father and son, uh, Will McDonald uh, also in broadcasting. He was able to supply information to people he did it in a way that did not insult people who knew baseball, but was able to be open enough where a newcomer could pick up on things. I read his book, and he did an excellent book about baseball. And he said the key that he did when he broadcast was he thought the dumbest thing in the world was to explain something that happened already. What he attempted to do in baseball games was to tell you what was going to happen or what should happen he tried to predict it and do it. And it got a lot of people's nerves. And a lot of people accused him of being a know-it-all. But I enjoyed his broadcasting. I always did. Always know he criticized Deion Sanders when he took a plane from playing for the Falcons against the Dolphins in Miami back to Atlanta to play in game four in the Yankees-Braves, uh, no, the Toronto Blue Jays-Braves World Series. And because he criticized in the locker room, uh, Dion threw a pan of ice water over him while live broadcast. So not everyone loved his style. I did. I thought he was, the, to me, the best baseball commentator I ever heard. I mean, before him, you got the basic, you know, just the basic stuff. No one tried to break the game down like he did. I, I put him... One of my top five commentators of all time, uh, you know, Billy Packer, who passed away a couple of weeks ago. We talked about him. I mean, there were certain guys who could break down the sport so well, and both of them do. So that's like I said, I've I've uh, enjoyed him watching. He, 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 like I said, even as a player, uh, he, he was. I think he set a record being the only catcher to hit a grand slam in the World Series game, played on two World Series teams with the Cardinals, and, and again, was able to break the sport down. They named the baseball stadium in Memphis, his hometown, after him. And the joke was it was called Tim McCarver Memorial Stadium. And he said they named it after his right arm because he couldn't throw a second anymore. <laughs> that was the memorial part. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, he was a good guy. He, he lived a good life and um, added to a lot of people's enjoyment of baseball and, and 
you'll be missed. So that wraps up our podcast for tonight. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have comments, questions, um, email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. And for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Have a good night.